Hey gang, here. Oh, yeah, blah blah. <laughs> you want me to do it? No. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Teresa, and this is Scott, and we're bringing you another podcast special. That's it. Well, I have some other stuff, but I wanted to give you a chance to chime in since this is your podcast. <laughs> it's not my podcast. It's our podcast. Well, it's our podcast, but it's about your message. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, so this is our weekly message recap, and I did the message again this weekend, or I, it's now two weekends ago by the time you're listening to this, um, and we have been uh, carrying on on this theme of strength and weakness. I think a weakness is your timeline on these podcasts because you, when you do that thing about when it is, you, the only ones that care about this are you and I. Uh huh. And you are assuming that everyone listens to this the second you drop it into the great <laughs> podcast world. So uh, we could pull up the statistics on that. I look at them from time to time. Eh, I don't we got care about, about that. Uh, sixty listens in uh, Brazil last week or a couple weeks ago. So really, if you're listening to us in Brazil, then. Um, a very special welcome to you. Yeah, great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah. yeah, we're so glad you're here. Well, I was really intrigued by this message you did on strength and weakness. Mm-hmm. And um, particularly because in this uh, workbook I'm working on writing, one of the things that I'm going to get into is both Henry Nowen's um wrestling with what it looks like for success, as well as Father Thomas Keating's wrestling with what is this plan for happiness. Now, of course, both Nowen and Keating rip their plan apart, uh, both primarily using Matthew 4. What do you? What does that mean, rip their plan apart? Well, they, they set up a straw man, in essence, and they say, hey, here's most people's plan for success or most people's plan for happiness, and dudes, it doesn't work. Got it. So when I saw where you were and going. And this workbook that you're doing is for yeah. a treatment facility. The workbook is for um, a faith-based approach to the 12 steps. Yeah. Yeah. 90-day yeah, treatment facility. And I'm going to include part of that material in there. So thank you very much. I was able to steal a couple of points from you. So that was quite lovely. Okay. I, I may or may not attribute you. Yeah. <laughs> no need. <laughs> You can sue me, get a lot of money, and then give it all to the ministry. There we go. All right. It's a new new, new plan for funding the ministry. <clears throat> but yeah, so I'm really interested in this topic. Okay. Do you remember the story you told to start it off? Which parable I told? Uh, no, no. Uh, we'll get to the parable in a minute, but the story you told about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Do I have to tell it on the podcast? Yeah. Tell it on a podcast. I always like the personal stuff better. Parable <laughs> schmarables. Uh, I was telling on myself, this was not a, this is, let me be clear. This is not a moment I'm proud of, but I was- A moment wa- you're not proud of. Yeah. What did I just say? I'm not sure, but I just want to clarify. You weren't yeah, proud of it. I was not moment. proud of it. Not proud of this moment. Um. My wife and I uh, moved houses about 100 yards, and um, so we we moved into a much larger house. So we moved from a very small, very updated home that had been flipped to a, a, a large, very, very outdated, almost decrepit home. Um, 
And I love your uh, new home. So it's complete opposites. And it's something that's small but shiny to something that's large but uh, not shiny yet. Dusty. Yeah. Um, and um, I loved the space, and in particular. Um, I was going to have room for a home office. So me being a huge introvert and being in school, I'm getting um, a master's in counseling currently. Um, it became more and more important to me to have some space where I like could go where, you know, if I needed to get something done for work or for school where I couldn't hear the baby crying. Yeah. <laughs> or couldn't hear my wife crying. <laughs> I think that happens more often. <laughs> I never hear that baby cry. She's perfect in every way. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, As is your wife, but she yes. does cry more. <laughs> uh, we're off to a, to a horrible start, aren't we? Uh, so anyway, so we, we got, um, we put some, some new flooring down in the home office and painted the walls and it just was looking fantastic. And I was walking around that room and I just... I just had this sensation of, I have really made it in life. You know, when you said that in the group and everybody went, oh, like that was so sweet. Like it was a sweet thing. Like it was a sweet thing. I really had to discipline myself to not stand up to say, you have not seen the house they're living in. (laughs) (laughs) And if this is what arriving looks like for you, raise the bar. <laughs> which That's looking I, better and better every day. Which I think as uh, thinking about now and, and Keating, uh, that was not my pri- proudest moment either, right? <laughs> so it was a double McBean fail in that moment. Well, I also, I didn't do it on purpose, you know, but I set, I sort of set the crowd up, which sometimes I, sometimes I do do that on purpose, which we'll talk about what I did this past week. Oh yeah. Next week. Or by the time you're listening to it, it'll be next week. Um, Again with the timeline. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They don't care. Nobody cares. Keep going. (laughs) Um, But... So that led to this whole conversation about what does it mean to make it in life? When will you know you've arrived? And, right. you know, where we were trying to go with that conversation is, um, you know, we have both the cultural messages that we receive, maybe the family messages we receive, the society mes- societal messages that we receive about what it means to arrive, what it means to make it, yeah, yada, yada, yada. And then we critique that. Right, based on what our faith's perspective would tell us it means to arrive or to make it, or what the conditions are for arriving or making it, and uh, what and and um, we would allow our recovery principles to critique that as well, right? Or that that was my goal of the conversation is to right. say, right. sort of okay, face value, what does it mean to arrive, and then how do we let our faith speak to that? How do we let our recovery speak to that? So, And being aware that it's really confusing because, you know, based on where you sit in all all of those fields, there are lots of con- very confusing messages about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot to that. Uh, there were a lot of places you could have gone with that message. Yeah, and um, I guess... Uh, I guess my point was it wasn't a proud moment for me because that, you know, upon reflection, that wasn't a moment where I was letting my faith dictate my perspective on life, right? Like having a home office should not be a significant 
factor in whether or not in how I'm assessing how I'm living. Especially right? in light of the fact that your primary reason for having one is to get away from the crying of your wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole lot we could unpack there, but we'll leave that to a therapist. Right. Yeah, that's work for elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so you start thinking about all the things that other people don't have and all the people you know who have nothing or less or, you know, their primary goal is surviving day to day. And you start thinking, oh, I've made it because I have a home office. It's like, no, you've made it because, you know, you're lucky to have food. You're lucky to right. be alive. You're um, To have shelter of any kind. And I should be less obsessed with my own wants and my own desires and more thinking about how I can use what I have uh, to support or bolster or be in community right. uh, rather than, you know, my own personal retreat space, which, <laughs> which is right. what I've got. <laughs> Uh, which is not, it's not a bad thing for me to have a place to work, but, um, you know, yeah, all those other things too. You might've been putting a little much too, too much emphasis on it as a sign of success or a tool for happiness. Right. Yeah. Right. And I guess, um, I can't, do you remember any of the conversations we had in the, in the message, you know, since our, since our messages are always conversations with the audience did anything stand out to you not not that comes to mind although I had a conversation inside my head uh-huh which was remembering when your sister was in risk management yeah and um, in the middle of the day which she never did she called me from her office and said I have a televangelist in here asking me to loan him a gazillion dollars for a penthouse in New York. Mom, you are a failure as a pastor. <laughs> you know? It's like drives up in a shiny car, diamond studded rings on every finger. Yep. And she's like, you are doing something definitely wrong, which wasn't where I would have gone with that perspective. Yeah, that's funny, though. But yeah, so uh, I was thinking about, you know, really how much we have to wrestle with this across the board and in, in some faith perspectives, the the blessing and success of the pastor or the shininess of the church um, is an indication of God's blessing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, regardless of the specifics of how that conversation played out on that one night, um, what I was thinking both about myself as I was reflecting on that moment and I think largely kind of what comes up in that, you know, when you have a conversation with people in recovery, you get perhaps maybe better answers than, yeah. than you otherwise would. <laughs> but um, there's this idea that, and I think you just, you just gave voice to this, good, we believe sometimes falsely that good things happen when we move up. Yeah. Right. That was... Um, that's what I was living in yeah. in that moment where I'm st- standing there thinking, "Man, I've got it made. I've really, right? I've really gotten ahead." Right. Um, of course, the problem with that thinking is defining moving up. Right, and among other things. Yeah, yeah. There's a number of problems. Um, you know, one of the problems is even thinking that we need to arrive. Right. <laughs> right. Um, 
but yeah, there's this idea that good things happen when we move up. And it's something that I think every culture probably has dealt with, uh, if our parable was to tell us anything at all. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But you know that I have spent some time with Soren Kierkegaard over the last year or two. I do know that. Um, I mean, not personal time. Yeah, no, no, that would that Just would a take stack a stack of books been, on your desk. He's been dead for quite a while. Yeah, because <clears throat> if you're time traveling into the dead, we've got some serious issues that we've got to discuss. With right, you. right. He was a very um, uh, well. He was an he's an interesting writer. Um, seems like an angry guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, who very much was a critic of the Christianity of his day and age. And one of the themes in his writing about spirituality is that finding God is not a product of moving up in life. He very much critiqued the uh, a certain class of Christian, let's just say, in uh, in his in his culture, and that that finding God is not the product of going up or making it or arriving, but finding God is the product of a collapse. Um, and I don't know if that if that idea uh, did anything for you or not, but I'd be curious to hear since we haven't talked about it. Well, I think one of the things that I've observed over the years is, um, you know, we're so fortunate to have at one of our worship services a cadre of guys who are at a really good treatment facility down in the city of Richmond, Virginia, called The Healing Place. Mm-hmm. And they come in on Sunday mornings and, you know, our people often ask us, what are you doing on Sunday mornings? Because it's not a sermon. They don't feel like it's a sermon because mm-hmm. no one's talking at them. We, we have conversations. Right. Um, so um, in many ways, we, um, we're very appropriately descended mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of our worship services because sometimes they feel a bit like a free-for-all. But they're in many ways my favorite part of what we do because we have legit conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And I am absolutely amazed at the spirituality of a lot of the guys that come through there. Yeah. And, you know, uh, this stands in sharp contrast to some of the beliefs that um, I have observed in Christians who believe that if you're struggling with a substance use disorder, the thing we need to do is get you saved in terms of evangelism. These guys have grown up in the church, many of them. Um, Every time you ask a question, they come back with a scripture passage that it reminds them of. They know the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, They love God. And they're at the healing place which is sort of a really excellent treatment facility, but often treatment of last resort because the client doesn't pay. Yep. Uh, the requirement has to be to get in has to be you have a substance use disorder and, oh, by the way, you're homeless. Yep. Uh, so these guys rank low even on the substance use disorder scale of judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have found such a rich spirituality in their collapse and they're re, as they're waking up out of their using, what is stirring in them is their faith. Yeah. And 
I mean, a lot of times on target. Yeah. And, you know, your dad runs that men's group on Sunday morning. Right. And he has taught in traditional Sunday school classes for a long time before we came into this crazy thing that we do at North Star. And he prepares a lot because he says they deserve a lot, these guys, because they already come in uh, interested and well-versed in their faith and in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So that has been a real... um, It makes me think of the... do Do you remember the George Carlin sketch about lost items? No, but I'm sure you're going to remind me. <laughs> he says, uh, I think it's George Carlin, you you always find things in the last place you look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have heard that before. Uh, it, that quote, uh, uh, it, it popped in my mind because I was thinking like, you know, that, that that kind of spirituality happens kind of in the last place that you'd look, in the last place yeah. you'd expect to find it. Yeah. And I remember one time we were hosting something with them and with partnering with another church, and the church showed up with tracks. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Evangelism tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to do everything I can not to burst out into tears because it was such an example of not knowing, right. not understanding, not only not understanding faithfulness, um, in a way that wasn't condescending, but also not understanding the nature of addiction. Mm-hmm. So um, my hat's off to the collapse and spiritual awakening uh, that we see in, in these men who are working uh, to restore their lives and really relying on their faith to do so. Yeah, and I think that that reliance point is a good one. I think that, you know, I think what's significant about the collapse is not um, the is not necessarily the the actual collapse itself, right? But the fact that there is nothing false that you can rely on anymore that gives you a sense that you've arrived, that you've made it, that you're doing okay. Yes. Right. Like that's that was kind of why I brought up that point about arrival is like we have all these false ideas about what makes us us, what yeah. makes us okay, what makes us comfortable, right. what keeps us going. Right. And when you really collapse, you can't rely on those things anymore. Right. And I, you know, I want to make uh, not to overfocus on these guys, but I want to make one point clear. The Healing Place is not a faith based treatment c- center. So they have nothing, uh, nothing to gain by a false piety. This right, stuff, there's no social benefit to be no to, to being able to to quote number chapter and verse and all that stuff. No expectation. I right. mean, even coming in here, they walk through the doors in here. What do they say? What is this place? Right, which <laughs> uh, is a good question on any day of the week. But. They're, they're not walking into a place that looks obviously like if you say these things, maybe somebody's going to give you 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And um, it's springing out of them in a way that is so organic and true and authentic. Um, 
and confusing, right? Yeah. So let's go back to this thing about blessing again. I think all of this is about this idea that uh, blessings are not always, um, they don't show up where we expect them to. You know, have we ever seen an interview after a national football game where they have interviewed the losing coach or player and they say, we just feel so blessed by God? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, So talk to me a little bit about what you meant when you were thinking about and carrying on that comment about blessings not necessarily showing up where we think they well, we uh, uh, we use the parable, which there's a there's a versions of it in a couple different places, but we use the version from Mark ten, which was the story of the wealthy man coming uh, to Jesus and saying, "What must I do for eternal life?" And they have this little conversation. He tells Jesus he's kept the commandment since he was a boy, and Jesus says, "Okay, well then." Give up everything you have to follow me. Sell and he, everything and you he have. Was a ri- he was a rich guy. Yeah, I said, yeah. I, I said he was a wealthy man. Okay. He, uh, he said, sell everything you have, give the proceeds to the poor, and follow me. And it says the man went away sad because he had many possessions, basically. So then you have that, you have that, that piece of the story, which could be treated on its own, but then you have this follow-up conversation with the people. And... Um, Jesus says, it's very difficult to be saved. And the people say, well, who can be saved? Right. Mind blown, because they're still thinking, you're blessed by God if you have a lot of children, a lot of sheep, a lot of goats. Yeah, it it, it wasn't just the common sense. I mean, it wasn't just the conventional wisdom. It was a known, established thing. That if you were wealthy, you had been blessed by God. Right. It was a one-to-one relationship. It wasn't like sometimes. It wasn't like maybe. We've gotten a little better at nuancing these things over time. Um, And despite the book of Job completely undermining this idea, you still had people thinking, he's wealthy, therefore God loves him. Right. And so the people's minds are blown perhaps just as much. Uh, perhaps to equal degree is the man's sadness. Right. Because it's like, if that guy doesn't have God's favor, who can possibly have God's favor? How in the world are we ever going to be able to evaluate whether we have God's favor or not, right? Right. It would be maybe akin to, I'm trying to think of like an icon that would be universally, like a faith icon that would be like Mother Teresa or something. We said... If Mother Teresa walked away sad and Jesus said, see, it's really hard, everybody would be like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, and the the point that Jesus is making is not, look how hard it is for wealthy people to get in, but look at how benevolent God is because people are not going to be able to do it by themselves. Yes. And I love that because I think that if you make it all about only poor people get in through the eye of the needle, right? Mm -hmm. And rich people are to be scorned, judged, shamed. We have just done another us and them move. Right. So it isn't about the money 
or the sheep or the goats or the number of children. It is about a benevolent God. Yeah. Leads you to him. Right. And so, um, yeah, so he's helping people see really the scope of God's grace and mercy. And it's very, uh, in a way that's very confusing to them. Yeah. In the, I mean, scope in a big way. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the dynamic of all of that. And uh, the idea that the poor among them could be loved and accepted by God is perhaps just as shocking as the rich man maybe not having God's favor. Right. You know. Right. Um, uh, you know, however you want to qualify that. Um, so, so yeah, so the idea is that it's not as clear cut to us who has God's blessing and who doesn't. Yeah. And where you find God's favor and where you might not. Um, it's not a simple, there's not a simple formula. Right. Uh, to work that out. Right. Um, and it's often, I, I would, I would suspect it's often unexpected as you were, um, already hinting at. Yeah. You know, uh, we asked and received permission from um, Jill Phillips and Andy Gullihorn to depart from our usual uh, musical selections for uh, this podcast because we felt like there was a song that really <laughs> sang to the point of this message. But the more we've talked about this, the more I think it's actually going to be hard to pick which song to highlight from their work. Okay. Uh, because I think that often Andy and Jill are pointing out to us uh, the breadth and depth of mercy. Yeah, if you don't know Andy Gullihorn or Jill Phillips's music, um, go check that out. Uh, they both have websites. You can find some stuff on YouTube, uh, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, do you feel like we're wrapping up? Should I say one last thing? Yeah, I think you should say one last thing. I think, uh, you know, one of the points I didn't want to um, leave without saying is that uh, when we think about making it and we think about arriving in life, you know, and those are the times where maybe we're tempted to think that we're most blessed, um, when really might be the times where we're most spiritually poor. Um, again, it's not a one-to-one -one relationship. I'm just saying it's worth considering the opposite of whatever you think you are, right? right. right. Um, just as a just as a thought exercise or an experiment, right. if nothing else, to consider what that more things could be going on than what your what your natural instinct is. But so often on Sunday mornings, we have people who are broken, who are humiliated, who have completely collapsed, and it's the last place they ever would have want to define themselves. Right. And you don't want to, um, I, I don't want to say that that's actually a good place to be, right? right? It's a very hard place to be. Right. It's, you know, um, you know you're, you're dealing with substance use, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with possibly other illnesses, uh, physical, mental. You've got so much stuff going on that is unpleasant and it's perfectly, you know, you're well within your rights to lament that. Right. To be upset about it. Right. Um, and yet, um, you know, I wanted to offer a word of encouragement of saying, though we may assume that this is the worst 
possible place we could be, this doesn't mean we're out of God's favor. Yeah. Uh, being broken, being humbled, being humiliated, uh, collapsing may just be, though it's hard, right? nearly impossible. Right. This may be the place where we discover God. And I don't hear you saying, so I want to make this clear too in concluding, that God has caused you to collapse so that you can be nearer to him. Right. right. We did the whole message last week. Yeah. Uh, trying to take that apart. Yeah. So, so don't hear that. But I do think that uh, considering the possibility that as bad as it may be right now, God's not finished with you. Yep. Um, nobody's got it all together. Uh, nothing is as it appears to be in some ways. And being stripped of our false identities and our false strategies for getting through life uh, creates fertile ground for God to go to work. And it can be a lot of... Cre the, the collapse can be very creative, like... You don't have to lose your home, your car, to have a collapse. I'm thinking of some of my friends who maybe the world would look at and would think they've got it all together. Sure. How could they possibly have a problem? And um, and yet I've walked through uh, my own and with others collapses that no one would necessarily think a collapse is happening. Right. So... Uh, be on the lookout for being supportive and encouraging of people who are collapsing in a variety of ways and know that if you are in a current state of collapse, go find the support and encouragement you need from people who believe that it is true that God shows up in the collapse and you don't have to get yourself all together before God reenters your life. Right. I think that's a good note to end on. What do you think? I think so, too. And we're going to, I think, conclude this with one of the selections from uh You'll hear Andy music and playing, and unlike normal, um, it's either it's probably either going to be something by Jill Phillips or Andy Gullihorn. It sounds like we'll have to talk and, and decide what we're going to play. Well, we were going to do the song Nobody's Got It All Together. Right. We can put that one on there. Yeah, I think that would be great. And... Um, yeah, so yeah. if you, um, that's likely playing under our voices right now, and if so, check them out on iTunes, uh, Spotify. Um, it's always best if, you, if you're going to buy their album, buy it directly from them, buy it from the website, get the CD version. When you buy it on iTunes or you listen to it on Spotify, I think uh, they get like 0.03 cents a play on Spotify. Really? That's all? And, you know, they get maybe 30% of the proceeds on iTunes or something like that. Whereas if you buy a CD from them, they get 100% of the proceeds. And have so, you ever seen one of their CDs that isn't worth uh, totally we always, every word? We, al we always buy them in bulk ourselves <laughs> so, um, so that we can uh, have them here at North Star. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we. this is an area where I can definitively say we practice what we preach. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> so support support the, support the artist. And please make note, we found one area where we practice what we preach. Yeah. So we're celebrating that. I, think, I feel like I've arrived. You have. <laughs> Definitely have arrived. Well, guys, it's been fun as usual to podcast. 
and uh, hope you find something useful in this message. Yep. Uh, this is Teresa. I'm Scott. And if you have found this podcast by uh, the mysteries of the internet, um, we are North Star Community. If you don't know anything about who uh, who we are, what we do, um, we're located in Richmond, Virginia, but you can find out more at www.northstarcommunity.com. Um, that's where you'll get information about us. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye.